You're listening to Sascapes, a podcast featuring the stories of arts, culture, and heritage in Saskatchewan. the great unifier and quite literally sustains all living things. In time of celebration and in everyday life, it's always with us. Every culture in every corner of the globe relies on it. And it's just plain fun to talk about. It's food. I'm Kevin Power. Welcome to Milestone Saskatchewan and welcome to the first Sascapes podcast recorded live with an audience. My two guests have made food a very important part of their lives. Deanna Brown has most recently been a finalist on the wildly popular television series Master Chef Canada, and Jim Hadfield found great satisfaction in baking after a career in finance and guiding several Canadian companies to great successes. Join us as we laugh about everything from beef wellington to what food to have with you should you find yourself stranded on a desert island. It could happen. And as his website says, if you like Jim's bread, you'll love his buns. I'm in Milestone, Saskatchewan, just south of Regina, and I am looking at a dozen faces in front of me who have showed up at the library to get to know a couple of people that live in your town um, who have made food a part of their life and their culture. And it's been a long time coming here. We had to cancel once. Now the weather's beautiful and we're back. Welcome, everybody, to the Sascapes podcast. Let's give yourselves a round of applause. So... To my left is somebody that's no stranger to you guys and no stranger to me. Deanna Brown is my first guest in this episode. Hi, Deanna. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for coming. Oh, my pleasure. I'm thrilled. Anybody who is involved in food makes me very happy. (laughs) So, to quote the Julie Andrews song from The Sound of Music, let's start from the very beginning. Um, Tell me where you grew up. I grew up... Not far from here, actually, kind of about halfway between Milestone and Avonlea on a farm. It's where I spent most of my time as a kid. And then uh, Regina was high school and university. So, But I realized um, kind of through this whole process of what we're going to talk about, that mm-hmm. I've actually been in Milestone now longer than I've been anywhere else. So I guess I am kind of from here now. Wow. <laughs> but you're from Avonlea. It's just Yeah, yeah. So southern Saskatchewan. Right. Yeah, yeah, right my right, whole right. life. I've, and you've always lived in Saskatchewan, or did you? Well, I was born in Red Deer, okay. but um, so first four or five years of my life, we were in Alberta a little bit too. Right. But really, have no memories of anywhere other than Saskatchewan and and the big city of Regina, which you know, right. in yeah. a lot of centers, is is kind of a small right. town in itself. Right, right, right. So, since food has played such a huge part in your life, tell me about how food placed in your life growing up. Hmm, that's a really good question. I think 
uh, on a farm and in small towns, it's, it's pivotal. Every, you know, you're growing your own stuff. Every mom's got a garden, grandma's got a garden and growing up. And I don't know, maybe it wasn't like that in everybody's house, but things were always homemade. Mm -hmm. Um, parents were around the house and you had family dinners. And so, um, we were always around food and, and, I often say, you know, you go to grandma's house and that's what you're doing. You're cooking something or you're helping the garden. And, and so I've always played around. Mom told me recently that I really never cooked that much as a kid. And okay. I said, well, I've been telling everybody I did. Like I've been telling this story. <laughs> I thought, what do you mean? That's all I remember. You all, lie. I guess all <laughs> I have is food memories. So, well, what but, are those food memories? Your well, mom obviously yeah, cooked a lot. Yeah, of course. And, and grandma's too, you know, being around and watching them. And, um, what were some of the things like, I remember coming home. This is sad culinary, uh, commentary, but to come home I could, as I got off the school bus, I could smell mom making fish and chips on a Friday because you never yeah. ate meat on Friday. And just that waft of the French fries coming down the road as I walked toward the house, I was like, oh, it's fish and chip day. Oh, do you have isn't that true? Yeah, yeah. So do you have sensory memories like that for food? I think so. But whether they'll come into my brain right now, I don't okay. know. But yeah. I, I absolutely a certain smell. There's this one dish that mom makes. And I've got the recipe, although I've not perfected it. But it's one thing that's got a very, a, a very scent to it, and it's it's leftover. You make it with leftover ground or um, beef, like roast beef, uh-huh. and put it in the bottom of a pie plate. And I think it's got like tomato soup, like nothing fancy. Right. And right. then with a dough on top, and and still the odd time I do make that, it, yeah, just zip right back, hey, to right, your childhood. Right, right, right. Yeah. Are there foods that are that are associated with Saskatchewan? Um, are there quirky dishes like we have in the back in Nova Scotia? Well, it's really in Acadia, um, with the French area of Nova Scotia, something called crape pie, except it's sort of been bastardized to become Robbie pie is what they call it. It's grated potato, which really looks like paper mache, um, in a crust, a pie crust. And it looks quite hideous. But apparently People it's an it. amazing, yeah, and that's yeah. something you just find there. Anything? Um, these guys might be able to help out yeah, more. I think we're kind of uh, and with with MasterChef too. I did lots with Saskatoons. I think Saskatoon berries are pretty sure huge on are. the prairies. I don't know if you have would have them. Out we don't. East. We have blueberry. It's all blueberry yeah, country. So yeah. So I think when I think of Saskatchewan, I think of Saskatoon berries, and we have a lot of um, Ukrainian, a high Ukrainian. Um, population or descendants of Ukrainians. So I right. think pierogies and cabbage rolls and things like that yeah, sure. are pretty popular. I, they're probably in other parts of the country yeah. too, but it seems if you're going to any fall suppers and stuff like that. or Yeah, because the fall supper is quite a phenomenon that's here. That's yeah? And I don't know if you have that in other parts no, of the country. No, don't really, know. We have kitchen parties and things where basically you meet strangers at the grocery store and before you know it, they're in the kitchen. The kettle's on. <laughs> they're eating. And an hour later, you find out you're related. <laughs> it's true. That's the way it works in Nova Scotia. Um, so if you weren't cooking a lot as a kid, when did you start picking up the spatula and going for it? I don't think I really... I, I, Played a little bit, probably in university, but until – it was really not until I was at home full-time that I really started cooking a lot. You know, when we were first married, even there was lots of we, – we'd go to, to the mother-in-law's house for food. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you were eating more convenience foods. But when I – so when I had my my first child and then was at home all day, I had more – 
not that there's a pile of time <laughs> when you've got right. little ones at home, but you can right. kind of work on stuff through the course of the day. Sure. And that's when I really started to uh, do more stuff from scratch or try things and just thought, you know, why not? And I, and probably by then too, you, we had the internet and we had food TV True. and explosion right. kind of around at the same time. Right. Where now if you get an idea for something you want to try, it's so easy to find a recipe and and watch a video on YouTube and or how how do I break down a chicken? Google it, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right, it's right. so easy now. So I think it was not until I was at home full time that I really started to work a lot in the kitchen. And it's a huge part of my day. Um, I love it. I love it in there. Um, All right. Well, let's not beat around the bush. You were recently on MasterChef Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody who just sort of is into cooking just doesn't say, hey, I think I'll try out for MasterChef Canada. So (laughs) that's right. (laughs) That's a huge leap. Tell me about how that happened. Most people have, yeah, more of a filter that that realize that's not the greatest idea. Maybe I'll just watch it. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Right. It's so funny because I still can't believe it all happened. It's absolutely preposterous Uh that that I was on, that I made the show. But we are huge fans of the show as a family the kid we all watch it together mm-hmm. and so when they they announced it was coming to Canada for season one the kids were mom you've got to apply you got to apply and I brushed them off because I, I thought it was absolutely completely ridiculous yeah um and so I didn't apply and watched the season and again same thing you, you got to apply and I really thought it was so bizarre and beyond reach that I thought I would show them, okay, I'll apply, throw my name in and, mm-hmm. and try, mm-hmm. thinking it would go absolutely nowhere. Mm-hmm. So at no point did I ever, ever think I would make that show. Right. Uh, so when you got notification from them that you, that, that you were in, what did that feel like? Hey, it's Kevin. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just a quick reminder that the Sascapes podcast is available for free on your favorite podcast app, or you can stream it from your browser. Check out the show notes for the link. On the Sascapes homepage, you'll notice something new under the logo called Sascapes Plus. You can't miss it. There's a big button saying support with a heart icon next to it. I'd love it if you could click on that button and help keep this podcast series going. When Sascapes launched in May 2014, it was the first podcast in the province celebrating arts, culture, and heritage. In fact, you'd have been pretty hard-pressed to find any Saskatchewan podcasts. So I'd like to think that we paved the way. It's been because of your support that this podcast is now in its ninth year. Okay, that's it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Oh, it was bizarre. Then I had to tell my husband because I hadn't even told him that I applied because I thought it was so bizarre. So I'm not going to alert, you know, don't scare anybody because this right. is never going to go anywhere. Right. It was uh, – and the kids, even when I told them that they called, they said, yeah, right. 
They didn't even believe uh-huh. it. And I think I think uh, it took a long time to kind of sink in and realize that, that they had called. So it was so exciting. Did you have to prepare something on a video as part yeah, of your application? Yeah, the application was, it was a lot of questions similar to ones you're asking now as yeah. far as, you know, when did you start and food yeah. memories right. and who inspired you and all those things. Um, there was a video. Yeah, you had an option to submit a video. And I did do a short one. Um, and then you had to create a dish to kind of kind of pitch them an idea for a dish. So mm-hmm. I did that too. And I believe, I'd have to look back, I believe it was a trout dish okay. that I pitched. So that was the initial stage. You didn't and have to make it, you just pitched No, it. you just kind of pitched the idea. And did you know that, the, had you tried this recipe already? I had tried elements of it, okay. but never... I, I don't think I've ever still made it, actually. You know, it was sort of, I've done this. You know, I, well, this is, I put, bring this in. It was all elements that I'd done, but I don't think, maybe so to thought, this sure. day, I don't even know if it's ever been made. I should go do that. And maybe chocolate sauce <laughs> and yeah. might work. It must have sounded good <laughs> enough to them. Right. And that was kind of, that's kind of my thought, too. You just make it sound good right, and right. catch, something caught their attention. I still don't know what it was. Right. Um, and then after that, um, once uh, they called and expressed interest, uh, it was about an hour long phone interview I did with them. And I think they were feeling you out, mm-hmm. you know, more questions and trying to get an idea maybe of your personality, because that's hard to decipher over an online application. Yeah. And then they invited me to come out to Calgary. And that's where I, then I actually had to create a dish for them for that. So they had to, you had to prove a little bit that you weren't all. Were you Blowing nervous smoke. for that? Um, yeah. I think that's a hard question. Probably not as much as I should have been. Okay. Through the whole process, I was I don't think I've ever been as nervous as I should. I'm a firm believer in ignorance is bliss. Like And that yeah. was it. And the whole time, and even now I'm th- I'm thinking, you know, uh-huh. This is this is crazy, you know. Yeah, so right. I'll just do my just do your best, and right. and uh, whatever happens happens. And I was always I was so excited through the whole thing. Every little piece that you saw, because I love backs the background and right. backstage secrets and stuff. So yeah. every little piece you saw, I was just like, oh, I can't believe they asked. You'll never guess the question they asked me, and that was so. So I think I I wasn't approaching it as a competitor i was approaching it as a wanting to find stuff out right so what did you learn what are some of the things that you learned well a lot of them i can't say okay sure I yeah understand. which right. hurts <laughs> no i, I don't so mean much. about i don't mean but, about um, people but i mean what did you learn yeah, f- through the process for yourself about what did you discover about cooking that that you had not known prior to that um did mm-hmm. you find a different kind of passion were there things that seemed in theory that would be easy to do that turned out to be difficult mm-hmm. um, I learned oh, probably so many things and I'll be brilliant later when I go yeah, yeah. home yeah. I learned that I can cope under pressure for sure better than I would have thought because I don't do things generally under pressure I take all yeah. day so I didn't know if <laughs> when it came time to figure something out if my brain would slip completely yeah. Um, so I did learn that about myself is that I can cope under pressure a whole lot better than, than I would have thought. I learned that I like, I really love to cook Mm -hmm. and that I wanted to learn more about kind of what you said about, um, processes and the science behind cooking and why, you know, you do things, I don't know, that's 
because that's how grandma did it and that's how mom showed me to do it. And I don't know why you do it like that. But I wanted to learn more of that kind of stuff. So it really fueled more of a desire in me, I think, even than before. And maybe slightly more confident in my cooking a little Mm -hmm. bit. But really, I'm still... it still hasn't hit me that they consider me capable whatsoever. So, <laughs> right. well, plus you're on television to a national audience. Yeah. That's got to add some pressure for you. Yeah, for sure. And and I didn't want to. Um, I I was really worried about being edited in a way that would bring these guys shame (laughs) or disappoint them or uh, that was kind of whenever I would get through an interview and still to this day if 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 I successfully get through this I'll go home and I'm like yeah I didn't put my foot in my mouth that was every Uh, time we were done with an interview or or something I'd be like okay I think I did my best if they if they edit me poorly or or wrong then I did all I could do so that was my main goal was to get out of there without embarrassing myself and I, I think I, I think I did it. So, what is the bravest thing you've ever cooked? What What took you right oh. outside of your comfort zone where you thought, "Oh, this is nuts." One thing that really bothers me is I've never been able to do a beef Wellington. That really bugs me. Yeah, I have. and and I don't know why I have this desire to do it because I, I think nobody cares at home. But yeah. that really. That just irks me that it's I can't figure that, that out. Pastry. Yeah. yeah. So I think um, I've done things a few times. I've done frog legs and just different weird, kind of weird things. But that Wellington is one thing that if I ever master it, I'm going to be having everybody over because I'll be so proud of myself. I but, have a feeling they'll come. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I think it's I'm a long way from mastering it. But it's just one of those things that I kind of got in my brain that uh-huh. – a really good chef should know how to do a beef Wellington. Yeah, so I'm yeah. not I'm not there yet. But I'd like to know how to, I'd like to make a really good tiramisu. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which in theory isn't difficult, but how did how did she do with the cake, you guys? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Great. Okay. So you've there's mastered, more. You've mastered the cake. I guess so. Um speaking, and then, is that something you made up? Yeah, that that cake that I brought tonight, um so it was actually a dessert that I made it was one of the first desserts that I think I I thought was pretty fancy and that I would make for special occasions, like a special birthday or something. And so when I was trying to figure out, okay, now what am I going to make for MasterChef? I went, was going back through old recipe books and something. And I remembered that cake and I thought, I thought it was something that I could do. We have to do it within an hour. And that is, that is the case. A lot of people think that maybe that time, that clock isn't you know, is yes. it what it is? But yeah. it really is. It's an yeah. hour. That's all we have. So it was something I started thinking about how I could kind of adapt it. And I brought in the Saskatoon berries that we were talking about as a little kind of typical to Saskatchewan. Right. And, and so that was, um, we we had to give them a couple suggestions of things that we would make. And that's what they asked me to make for my audition. So uh, I think I've. it's really fussy because for the show, I did a 10 layer um, it's got 10 kind of wafers and it's filled with whipping cream and berries and, and it's fussy. <laughs> doesn't that start to slide eventually? Yeah. Um, well in an hour, it doesn't have a whole lot of time right, to yeah, go right, too right. far. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and that was another element that was a little tricky. Uh, we ate that cake. That's probably why I haven't made it till now is we, we probably had it four or five times in the weeks leading up to MasterChef because I was trying to to get it just right. And 
that it would be at the right texture within that one hour because it's kind of you got to have a little bit of time for the wafers to soften or else they're just like a hard cookie trying to cut through. So that was my biggest fear was um, that they weren't going to get softened in time for the for the uh, chefs to cut into it. And of course, when you watch the show, you can see them cut. And if you would have seen my face, it would have just been like pure elation (laughs) that it went through. And and I remember when I came out, that's, I think my husband asked me that, did it cut or somebody, one of the other contestants said, because I said, that's all I'm worried about is that this cake's going to cut nice. So, so that was one of the, that was a huge relief, that one. Now you didn't win, but I do know that you walked away with a tremendous sense of pride at what you had accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was not so much the cooking accomplishment. Um, it was that I braved it Yeah, because I'm not an overly brave person and I'm not so much for the limelight. And, and I know, I, I know, go, you know, going on TV and stuff like that does not express that, but I really would just as happily be in the back corner, you know. Oh, I um, would not peg you that. that I know. And it's, it's very true. So yeah. the fact that, uh, and I really put in my application to kind of show the kids to put yourself out there and you never know what's going to happen. That was really my goal was to show the kids, pretend I was brave, thinking it would go nowhere. So right. um, so that was my biggest sense of pride was that I was able to function and remember a recipe. <laughs> and, you know, because even with this, with a cake, um, you know, you've got to remember quantities. And I didn't know if my brain would work right. under that stress. Right. So that was my biggest um, sense of pride was just that I was able to to perform and and that I got out there and, and did something so crazy and that the whole country when you think you know a couple of million people are going to be watching you is it's kind of a terrifying thought no kidding yeah um you mentioned frog's legs apart from (laughs) frog's legs what's the most bizarre thing you've ever eaten ever eaten gee tell me it's a bug (laughs) i don't think i've ever ate a bug okay i don't think i've I don't think I have any desire to eat a bug mm-hmm. either. Um, <laughs> Probably good. I've thought, of, I've thought of, I know that like crickets and stuff like that are a huge, and I, but I'm not opposed to trying it, but um, you want something like that to be prepared. You, you, you don't want just me cooking up some crickets. You know, you want to, you want to know you're going somewhere, right? Who knows how to I do it, right? Anyone. So, <laughs> so bizarre. Yeah. Probably um, maybe like, like more like a raw, sushi type uh-huh. or like a raw fish i'm not too afraid with with stuff like that right um, um what's your favorite food what what is the on a scale of one to ten what food just you look at and go i can't resist that it's an 11 or a 12 probably well i've got a sweet tooth so probably i was gonna say cheesecake probably mm. i love cheesecake anything sweet and i love seafood Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shrimp or lobster or something mm-hmm. like that. I love it. Um, maybe that's you- a prairie girl because you know, yeah. out in Nova Scotia, I'm sure that's not really a big deal whatsoever. Oh no, it's but- a big deal. <laughs> oh, it? okay. oh, it's okay. a big deal. Yeah, it's just yeah. not as expensive. Yeah, <laughs> and the yeah. lobsters are Very five true. times the size of the ones you have. The ones you have here, we throw back. <laughs> <laughs> They're called canners. Those are the ones they use for canned lobster meat. Yeah. Um, is there something a particular food that you? Dislike intensely? I'm not a fan of coconut, uh-huh. which is kind of weird. Um, 
I can tolerate it. And I'm not a huge fan of cucumbers, although I'm getting a little better with them. And I can I can tolerate them. Mm-hmm. But um, but those are sort of my things. If you gave me a coconut cheesecake, I might only scale it. Like, I need to have that as a scale 9, sure. 9 out of 10, yeah. as opposed to 12. Okay. Can you remember your biggest kitchen disaster? Um, hmm. I remember my husband's. Oh. <laughs> you, you allow him in the sanctuary known as your kitchen? <laughs> well, that was, it was before we were married and, and I had inherited a canister set from my aunt who lived in the building previously to me moving in and she was getting, she was leaving and I was moving in. So she just left me her canisters. And in one of her canisters, she had salt as opposed to sugar and so he one night decided he was gonna and i don't know where i was like i said i i wasn't as controlling in the kitchen it wasn't my, just my territory so he was making some kind of a fruit salad and didn't check assuming it was sugar and and uh the fruit salad got salted and it was not good it was not you couldn't choke that one down but um nice yeah but uh, i think my biggest kitchen disasters are probably more forgetting things in the oven than, you know, really quantities messing up or anything like that. Cause I tend to get a lot of things on the go and I'll, I'll go down to the basement to do something. (laughs) And pretty soon it's like, what's that? What's that smell? Uh So I, I burnt like, it's not uncommon for the smoke alarm to be going off in Uh my house, but it's not necessarily um, bad cooking. It's just (laughs) bad time management. In your Twitter handle, you have, Procrasti Baker extraordinaire. Right. right. Do, you, do you know what that is? Well, procrasti lends itself to being procrastinate. Yeah. That's how, that's how I procrastinate. I'll go bake something. So, for instance, oh. in the morning, I'll you know, get the kids off to school. Instead of going out for a run, I'll bake a batch of cookies. I know that feeling. Yeah. So, I, that's what I, yeah, I'm not a procrastinator. I, I procrastinate bake. Right. So, I'll get something going. And often I have to get up in the, if I've got something like, you know, the cake or whatever that I was going to do, I have to tell myself when you're done, these three things, then yeah. you can start the cake because otherwise it gets away. <laughs> right. And time. What's your before. favorite kitchen gadget? That's the thing you use almost every day. I use my KitchenAid like stand mixer. What color? Several times. I've just got white. Boysenberry. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Kind of like the color of your sweater. Wow, yeah, I I use it all the time. I uh, last uh, November I got a Vitamix. Oh, and that's pretty. It's pretty sweet too. I use it a couple times a day for sure. Right. Vitamix is not a sponsor of the podcast. No, no. <laughs> you got the Rolls Royce but, of blenders. Yeah, yeah. So those are kind of my my luxury. That that's definitely my luxury item. Do um, you like everybody else have a clutter drawer? We have that um, one? Do we all not have that one drawer in the kitchen, which everything winds up being there, and you can never find anything? My kitchen gadgets are fairly organized. My pen drawer, the pens, calculator, etc. That okay. drawer is a oh, big right. mess. I have lots of cluttered areas in the house, but the kitchen is fairly, fairly um, lined up. Wow, that's not typical. Well, <laughs> most people wouldn't put themselves on national television either. <laughs> That's true. Um, oh, weren't you at a station that was furthest away from the pantry on the show? Yeah, on um, MasterChef, when they invited us into the kitchen to cook for the first time, we were told to choose a station. 
And something that one of the judges, so much is cut that you never see, but something that uh, Chef Bonaccini had said made me think that the pantry was in a different spot. It made me think that it was behind them as opposed to in the far, far end of the, the kitchen. So when they called my name to pick a station, I thought, ah, you know, I'm going to pick this one right here. So I'm closest to the pantry. And if I forget something. And so I picked that station. Turns out it was in the very front row. And I'm sure most people thought I picked it just to be on television, right. you know, so that the camera's got a good shot of me. And that wasn't the case at all. I thought I was close to the pantry. And so then when they told us to cook or, you know, to run to the pantry, I, Everybody darts off the other way, and I'm like, no, I picked the one farthest away. So did you get, like, the, the dregs, so, the leftovers? No, there was plenty of food. It was just – there was plenty of stuff. It was just a, all that much longer to go if you had to go back for something. But uh, anyway, it made for – I guess it made for a good shot. You could see me. Right. What loud, did Chef Bonaccini, Chef Bonaccini complimented you on something? Um, I think it was – different things. Oh, uh, the favorite thing he said to me, of course they didn't air it. So I guess I could make up whatever I want, right? Because I was the only one there. You totally could. You could have said Big yeah. Beef Wellington, except yeah. you blew that. Yeah. <laughs> you blew Darn that already. Anyway, I forget that no, but none of you are there and you can't prove me wrong. Right. Um, when I cooked uh, in the, that, that pressure test, I had made kind of like a biscuit with a, it was kind of like a chutney, so sort of a shortcake I had called it. And he, he bit into my, uh, this is just the one thing that stands out. He, they were, they were all very nice and would yeah, say complimentary sure. things, but, uh, he, he bit into the biscuit and he, he looked up at me, you know, and he said, you really can bake, can't you? And I believe it was genuine. <laughs> and, uh, that was my favorite, my favorite moment that, That's great. you know, that it was that little bit of a, a, a shout out that I, I was, and then, then he threw me out, but but uh, <laughs> I did get that compliment out of him before I left. Did you watch the rest of the show? Oh, of course, yeah. Did you predict the right winner? I think I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was um, – David George won, and he was one when I left that I thought he's going for – like, he was the real deal. He really is. It was cool to watch the rest of the show because – and you kind of get – wrapped up in it and you forget that you were actually every once in a while I'd go I was in that kitchen like that's my station so and so is cooking up my station and those are my friends and that was what was so exciting was to watch not really knowing I kind of had an idea of where some might have been eliminated but not really um you know because we weren't allowed to say when we left so I had very vague idea of what was going down but so it was, that was my favorite day of the week was when MasterChef Canada was coming on for sure. What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I and think, how is that different from now? Oh, I think at one point I said teacher and I would never want to be a teacher. I, <laughs> I could never do that. But I think every little kid at some point. I'm guessing you're yeah. a teacher by no, the look on your face. No, oh. Oh. <laughs> We've got a few of them. Look. I think every little kid at some point thinks a teacher is a good idea. Then you realize, oh, I can't. I cannot do that. Never. Um, I think some in some piece of homework I've written that I wanted to be a nurse. My mom's a nurse, so I think that was something I knew. So, um, and then I wanted to be I wanted to be a dolphin trainer. Again, not wrong a lot, province. Not not a high demand in Saskatchewan. <laughs> no, no. And then the other thing that I swore I was going to do was I wanted to be like Jane Goodall and teach. Um, I wanted to teach chimpanzees sign language. So I had some real big dreams and none of them, none of them 
Great do you know sign language? I know the alphabet. Do you? That's pretty good. <laughs> well, and so what did you wind so up? So I don't, I don't know why those things were. Apart from yeah. your career as a mom, mm-hmm. um, what, what else did you find yourself doing well, in your I life? Well, I did. Um, university, I studied psychology and sociology. And so after I graduated, I worked with people with disabilities oh. um, and, and uh, working out in the community, finding them employment um, that they, they could um, based on their needs. And so that's kind of my, my heart's still kind of in that. Um, so I guess that was sort of my career before, mm-hmm. but it seems so long ago now. But don't you find <laughs> that, you need to be one of those anyway as a mother? Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, it's, um, and you know, I've, I've often thought, oh, you know, I've got this university degree and I'm not doing anything with it. And and the friends have said, it's not going anywhere, you know? And I thought once the kids got back in school or were in school full time that I would get back into the workforce, but I find there's so much at home to be done and that I like to be here for them too at lunch or after school, that it's kind of hard for me to, to, uh, get back out there. So Anyway, who knows? Mm-hmm. Oh, I have the feeling you're the kind of person that will just go, I think I'll do this now, even yeah. if it makes no sense. Oh, I do a lot of that. I do a lot of that. And, you know, and I'm still, I'm still amazed by the, the doors that have opened through MasterChef Canada, the people I've got to meet, and, and still doing media and stuff like that all, all right. these months later. And, and so many people said, you're such a natural on television. And, you know... So I don't know. I don't, I don't know what uh, what's ahead. But. What about your own bistro? Does Milestones yeah. have a bistro? We need a bistro. Um, I uh, that's something my daughter. The, you you Emily, met her, yeah. Emily. Yeah, she she wants to have a bakery, and that seems like that's that's Jim's, no, you don't that's want Jim's thing. No, but uh, that's just so much work. You know, like I like to take off for a week or so. So, yeah. um, so I think I'd prefer to go in and. And work with some really cool people and and put in, uh, you know, we're fortunate, I guess, with the, because my husband farms and he, there's lots to be done with that as well. Sure. That, and we're, so we're in a fortunate position that I don't have to go out and, and do something to make a few, a few bucks here and there. So I can kind of do a little bit more of what I feel passionate about or helping, helping out or volunteering. So at okay. this point anyway. So if you did go out and going out somewhere meant you had to get on a plane and should that plane crash, but gently crash. Okay. So I'd rather it wasn't all, gentle because so I don't want to know survive. it's going down. It was oh. a soft okay. landing okay. on it. It was a soft, soft landing on a stranded island. Okay. What three foods could oh. you not do without? You know, that's. That's a question they asked me. Uh, uh, I think I'm so that. original. <laughs> well, he only asked for one food, actually. Uh, no, but no, that's three. interesting. So you think. Yeah, you, you guys, apparently. <laughs> you're, you're all producers, see? Right. Um, and one thing I said was cheese, because I oh. love, I could live off of cheese. And then if, if I can have three, then I'll take a cracker as well. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Now we need a bottle of wine. And then I was going to say, you didn't say drinks so i assume that wine's just there so that cheese and cracker and then yeah and probably probably something sweet like chocolate or something like that well i guess i'll throw the beverage in for free okay (laughs) well if if, yeah i'll I'll take the wine red or white white 
White. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Okay. Then you don't. Have but I'm to, not that fussy. But then you don't have to go with a dark chocolate. If you chose red, then I feel you have to go with a darker chocolate. I think that makes sense. But if it's a deserted island, I'll Who take cares, whatever. Right? I don't, yeah. 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 I'll take whatever's yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, what else do you want to tell me about you? There, there's a question that I'm going to ask oh. you and Jim and all of you, um, okay. just to see. Just to see uh, oh boy. what your thoughts are, but I'll, I'll wait till we're done with both of you. But um, anything else you want to add that I skipped um, over? I don't know. I think you've done a great job, but kind of through through all of this, I was just hoping, and and that was sort of my theme. So the more I can say it, the more I can hammer it into people, the yeah. better. Is just that from when I left when I left MasterChef, I just thought I just want someone else to step out of their box. Whether it's one of my kids or a, an older person or a teenager to just sometime that you think I can't do that. That's just preposterous. And, yeah. Or, you know, I would fail at that. I, I, I was sure I would fail at some, inevitably you're going to fail at some point, but just go, who cares? Try yeah. it. You don't know. And so I threw my name in and that's just what I, when I left, I just thought, I just hope at some point somebody else thinks of me and goes, she did that. That was absolutely crazy. And she did it. And she survived. You know, she maybe she failed, but she survived. And that they go out and do something a little out of their element, too. And, and I think that kind of always would have bothered me that, you know, I wonder if, wonder if I could have seen it. Yeah. You know, just even to see the set and all that. You know, I wonder what that would have been like. Now I know. I know exactly what it was yeah. like. Yeah. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Did you know that all episodes of Sascapes can be downloaded or streamed for free? You can find us in the iTunes Store, on Stitcher Radio, and at iHeartCulture.ca. And I'm so excited to announce that Sascapes now has its own app for both Apple and Android devices. Head over to the App Store or Google Play and have Sascapes at your fingertips with just one easy tap. Remember, we love hearing from you with your feedback in the review section. And now, back to the podcast. Well, I don't know about you guys, but it baffles me that our perceptions of other people are very different than their self-perception, but that Deanna would feel somehow that she's not a gregarious sort of out there person versus, you know, you feeling more like you just are happy to be in the background, mm -hmm. doesn't ring true to me at all. That's not the energy you put out at all. Well, I guess that's good, right? That's a very good thing. That's a <laughs> yeah. very good thing. No, I've always been quiet. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of quiet. And Everybody's looking at you going, yeah. in what lifetime are you <laughs> Yeah. No, and I think, I think these guys would mostly agree. <laughs> um, really? I think so. Have you all been invited over at some point to eat at Deanna's? No, 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 but at uh, the rink, we worked with her, and she brought. Yeah, know, see, I like delicious fruit. Cakes. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I like to make things and <coughs> take them because yeah. I like to. Sure. I like to experiment and try things, but I don't dare trust myself with it. And the kids just want a chocolate chip cookie and a piece of pizza, right? right. You know, so they they don't care about the beef Wellington. Well, but, I was going to say, yeah, that's your task. Your task yeah. is to prepare okay. a beef Wellington, and these guys will be your testing okay. crew. Yeah, they'll be your testing crew. I, I, See, what's the worst works. that'll happen? They'll yeah. eat it down and be really be polite. Sick. 
No, they won't be sick. <laughs> You'll eat it. They'll eat it and be polite yeah. and say lovely and go home and say, don't ever get invited to Giannis for Wellington. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Or they'll be clamoring to get the recipe yeah. from you. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll let you know. Yeah. We'll have you back. And That'll be the follow-up. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Great. Sounds you want good. to swap places with Jim? Absolutely. But, uh, but before you do, oh. thank you. Thank you for coming out. This is, knew, it's been so fun to have you. I knew when I talked to you. I talked to Deanna and Forge, and she said, well, I don't know who you could talk to. She said, I mean, I'm not very interesting. I mean, I was on MasterChef Canada, but I don't know how interesting that is. Well, let's just start with you. <laughs> he said, what? I know. <laughs> I know. It's like, he says, of course there's a story of there. Of course there is. So, there is. There's a story, yeah. and it's been fantastic hearing it. It's you been can so chime fun. in later on. Okay, yeah. I'll I'll go okay. home and I'll I'll uh, call yeah. you with all the yeah. brilliant things I wanted to say. I'll try. Yeah, well, I'll record the rest <laughs> of it yeah. by the phone. Yeah. Okay, you can good. switch places okay, with Jim good. now. All right. <coughs> Round of applause for Deanna. <laughs> Jim Hadfield, how are you? I'm very well, and yourself, Kevin? I'm excellent. Now, Deanna's spoken a lot about thinking outside of the box, outside of your com- comfort zone. And I think that pretty much describes your entire life's journey. Um, you, are, you have had one of the most eclectic career paths that I, I could imagine. Um, let's start from the beginning. Where are you from originally? Where were you born? Milestone. You were born here? Well, Regina. But okay. And you've lived, so you've lived here all your life? With the exception of... Uh, five years in Regina when I was going to school and uh, when we were first married two years in gray but the rest of the time has been here you've seen this town change a lot oh yes has it gotten smaller bigger oh that's good Uh, physically right physically bigger but not necessarily in population Uh, population's up okay yeah that's good Mm -hmm. well you obviously like it here to stay here well my wife is from here okay and um we just decided to make this our home. Thought it was a good place to raise a family, and um, my wife works here, so um, it was good for her. I commuted for over thirty-five years, and uh, it was fine. It's only forty minutes each yeah. way, so right. it was fine. So you've seen a you know the history of this town like crazy. I mean, well, yeah. Sometimes I don't. So we we have a history book, which, by the way, needs to be updated. Uh, we need a new history book. And um, my wife would like to work on that, by the way, Kelly. And um, so we make rep- we, we reference it a lot uh, because all of a sudden somebody will mention somebody that from past years and, and we yank out the history book to try and find out what the association is. And it's happened quite a bit, actually. Wow. Did you know? I'm sure you did. I'm sure you all know. I only just found out when I pulled up here. The bar next door is haunted. (laughs) And they have people stay overnight on the floor where the hotel rooms are and summon ghosts. I'm so back to do a podcast. (laughs) Um, So you started your career path as an accountant. That's correct. A bean counter, as I call it. A bean counter. A gift that I was not given in life. Mm -hmm. Um, So you practiced here? You had your own accounting firm? No, no. I um, 
Well, I was going to university. I got a summer job at a mechanical contractor in Regina. Uh-huh. And uh, once uh, working in the office and helping with the accounting. Yeah. And once that the summer was concluded, the owner asked me if I would care to work part time. And um, uh, being a student, money was sh- tight. I said, sure, I'll mm-hmm. work part time. Then after my third year of university, he approached me. He says, I'd like you to take over the books. Um, well, I said, his name was Andy. I said, Andy, I, I have another year of university, and that was my goal to finish my university. And he said, why don't you take that final year and two? I'll pay you full-time. Uh, I'll pay you to work full-time. Uh, I'll give you time off with pay to take one class during the day, and then you can take, if, if you can arrange it, one class at night. And uh, so that's what I did. So I worked full-time and finished my final year in two years. And um, so it took me five years instead of four years to get my degree. And uh, he was very good to me, and uh, it worked out very, very well. So uh, once I, I obtained my degree, he approached me to to purchase the, the firm, the, the business. Well, I was just young. I wasn't married yet, close to being married, but not quite. <laughs> And, um, and so I, it, it, I said, no. And so anyway, I told him, I said, I'm, I'm going to have to look for something else. I, I said, there's no room for me to grow here. Right. So he was very supportive. And, uh, I then left and worked for a drugstore chain. Right. Now tell me about this drugstore chain, because it was here when in the province when I first moved here. Yes. By right drugs. Yeah. When I started there, it, it, they had three stores in Regina and at the height of, their success, they had 30 stores in the province and one in Alberta. And um, it's, I had the time of my life. For th- uh, I was there for 20 years, and then I left after 20 years. Then I worked for a tire firm, Bridgestone Firestone Canada. Uh, I was responsible for Manitoba and Saskatchewan and, and the retail operation. And at the time, they were called James Tire, Crown Tire, and a bandag plant, which is where they they uh, take old tires and retread them. And that was my responsibility. I worked there for two years, and my sole purpose there was to get the profits up, get the sales up, so that they could sell it to Cal Tire, right. which is a outfit yeah. out of BC. I didn't know that till after I left, but I did my job, and I didn't have a clue about tires. Not a clue. But you knew how to make money. But I knew how to make money. And so I was successful, and uh, I it was sold to to Caltire, and I left there. Another severance, and uh, I uh, was approached to apply for uh, the president and CEO of Saskatchewan Transportation Company, which is our provincial bus company. Yeah, and um, I applied for it, and I was successful in getting that job, and I was there for six years. And along about that time. I was given the opportunity to apply for uh, uh, another transportation company called First Canada, First Bus Canada, now called First Student. And uh, and, uh, I applied for that position. It was president and CEO for all of Canada. And um, I got it. And I worked there for three years. So because my wife had a career here, a long-standing and very successful career, and she was dedicated. 
Um, I had lots of opportunities to leave the province, leave Milestone. Uh, but I decided that perhaps it was time to hang it up. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's what I did. Well, that wasn't it, because then, then chapter, <laughs> chapter two came along of your life, in which one day you woke up and thought, I can't find a good, decent loaf of bread anywhere, so I think I'll bake one. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, just to back up a bit, when I retired, I was away a lot. In my last job, formal job, I was away a lot, away from home all week, sometimes weekends. I was all over North America. So when I came home, I said to my wife, I said, look, I'll need something to do. And this was after a couple of years, all right? But initially, I said to, to her, I'll need something to do, and I've always liked to cook. Uh, would you like me to take over the cooking? And I'll do the laundry, but I don't clean. So I clean my workspace, but I don't house clean. She says, if you want to cook, have at it. Mm-hmm. So I, I took it over. And it, nothing fancy, just I just cooked it. It was just the two of us. Our kids were gone. And, uh, and so I said, okay, I'll do that. So then couldn't find a decent loaf of bread. We don't eat a lot of bread. That's, mm-hmm. But because you can't get, at the time, couldn't get fresh bread, and I call commercial bread that we get here cardboard, mm-hmm. um, My, uh, I said, okay, we're not buying bread here anymore. We're going to buy it in Regina. Well, that was a big mistake because if you go to bakery, either a, a, a grocery store bakery or a bakery bakery, the bread lasts one day. Yeah. It's very good the first day. Yeah. Even the bakeries that are there now, it's delicious the first day. The second day, it's lost its consistency. And then in a very few days, you got to watch it. If you refrigerate it, it'll slow the process. It'll start to go moldy. That's why they all have the 50% sticker on it the next day. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's very discouraging, you know. So uh, she says, well, I'll buy you a bread maker. <laughs> so that's when they were a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I made bread in the bread maker. I didn't like it. No, I don't blame you. Didn't like it at all. And I was neat. Yeah. The process, I thought, oh, this is neat. I can do this. And so I said, that's it. I'm going to learn how to make bread from scratch. And she says, well, have fun at that, Jim. Mm-hmm. So it took a while, mm-hmm. you know, to learn how to make bread. Yeah. And I researched it, and I trial and error threw out lots of stuff in the process. So once I mastered that, I thought, well, maybe I can make buns. Just ordinary. And you're still doing this just in your house? In my house. Yourself. Yeah. To this day, yeah. the same. So I, I, but I mean just for you and your wife? Yeah, and, just for right, us. Just right. for us. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I had to go through the same process, how to make a decent bun. And um, again, trial and error. I mastered it. So uh, to our satisfaction, because it was just for us. Yeah. And then I thought, I've always liked cinnamon buns. I wonder if I could do that. So I asked around for different recipes. In a small town, you can whether you're pickling or whether you're doing whatever, right. you know. And this was before social media. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you actually had to talk to people. You actually had to talk to people. Wow. You know. And uh, so I said, you know, does anybody have a uh, a good recipe for cinnamon? Well, I got lots of suggestions, and I tried them all, but I, we didn't like them particularly. They were okay, but I, we just didn't like them. So I researched it and I tried and what I have, you know, just kept making different ones, threw a lot out. And um, Did you try the ones in the skillet? Nope. 
There's the recipe where you crowd them all in a, in a cast iron frying pan. Oh, yeah, I've seen the that. Whole thing yeah, in. yeah. So anyway, I finally mastered it. Okay. Make a long story short. With the cream cheese icing? No. The whole nine years? No, no. I do make those now okay. with all that. But no, I just a basic cinnamon bun. Okay. And it was a four-inch bun. Yeah. Is that like a big cinnamon bun? Yeah. So I got asked. I belonged to uh, our, our local, at the time, belonged to our local uh, community theater group. Oh. And we used to have a ticket day for dinner theater. And, uh, and it was the practice of the group to provide breakfast for the people who lined up for box office mm-hmm. when we had a box office day and they, and, and they'd stand out there for 24 hours in advance and line up all night. So over here in the hall. So we thought it would be a nice gesture to be able to make them breakfast in the morning and charge them a nominal amount for breakfast. And so we were always doing bacon and eggs. So one particular year, they decided to do muffins and fruit and, one of the members said to me, Hadfield, bring you some of your cinnamon buns because they all knew I baked and I guess my cinnamon buns were pretty good. So um, I brought them. A lady from Regina who was had been standing in line and or sitting in line said to me, I've never tasted a cinnamon bun like this. Mm-hmm. You need to go into business. Well, I laughed. I went home, told my wife. She laughed, rolled her eyes. And uh, three months later, I thought to myself, why not give it a try? Yeah, right. Why not give it a try? What yes. what have I got to lose? As he points to Deanna. Well, you yeah, know, right, I admire right. her so much because yeah. she just, why not give it a try? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, so it doesn't work. Try something else. And it sounds like during your during your professional career, looking after f- people financially and businesses financially, um, you weren't feeling like you were missing something in life, right? You You enjoyed that. So this wasn't a case of... Darn it all, I'm going to follow my bliss once and for all? No, no. Wasn't no, no. a midlife crisis? Or no, 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 no. <laughs> it all started because I couldn't get a decent loaf of right, bread. Anyway, yeah. um, uh, so anyway. Um, Just looking for the drama. <laughs> so um, she said you need to go into business. So three months later, I started putting up a few posters. We have a, a lo- local rag here that comes out, I think, every couple of weeks or so. Mm-hmm. And I put an ad in that and I started to get calls. Just a few. Just a few calls. Then I told my investment guy in Regina and I told my barber and and I got a, some business out of Regina. Just a little bit, not very much. But I was having fun doing it. And I thought, well, I better be starting to add products. Not just do white buns, white bread or whole wheat or multigrain and cinnamon buns. My wife said to me, you need to do smaller buns. Not everybody can eat that size of a bun. Mm-hmm. So you need to do something smaller. I said, do you think they'll sell? She says, you just wait. So I made them half the size, mm-hmm. but I offer both. And yes, they did sell. So then my cousin arrived from Vernon en route to New Brunswick in a motor home. His son and his wife do website development. Uh-huh. That's their business. And they live in South Africa. And uh, of course they can live anywhere because it's all done. Right. Virtually. So, Ross says to his son, Scott, you need to get Jim a website. And I said, no, I know what these things cost. I said, I, I, I can't afford that. I said, no. Ross says, don't be silly. They'll do it for you because we're family. And that was five years ago next week. Mm. I got the website. So I did that. Well, it, what, the minute I did that, and it went, it's just bizarre. The word's viral. <laughs> well, it went, it, uh, the, the business that that has created yeah. um, is just phenomenal. 
absolutely just blew up. So then I had to get organized because I couldn't just bake this day or yeah, that sure. day. I had to get a schedule. So I developed a schedule. These days I bake. These days I deliver. And I was only delivering to Regina. And then people from Weyburn started contacting me and people from Moose Jaw started contacting me. This is over quite a period of time. And then about a year ago, people from Esteban started to contact me. So I said, I'll come if I get three or four orders, reasonable orders. Because, it does, because I offer free delivery. I don't charge extra for the delivery. And, uh, of course, if, I think people would say you charge enough for your baking. You shouldn't be charging for delivery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But anyway, the pr- I, say the, I say the price is the price. Yeah. Right. All right. But have you somehow perfected some... Um, mysterious art of making your bread last longer than a day uh, where the consistency well, is still where you to argument. Like the basic breads that I make, it doesn't contain any preservative, mm-hmm. and I find it does last quite a while. Mm-hmm. Now, if you leave it probably by the end of the second week, it might get a little mold on it. Mm-hmm. Depends. <laughs> it depends what's in it. Right. But I find my bread lasts longer with its consistency, taste, and texture Longer than any bread I've been able to, and I don't know why. It's just sixty-five kinds of bread and sixty-five kinds of buns. Over, over. Yeah, didn't know there were that many lo- kinds. Well, of bread. I've, I've I've always liked to add stuff, and I'm I. It's a great fun. I mean, I make Hawaiian things with coconut in. Yeah. And I, oh, Deanna this. won't have any of that. No, <laughs> you know, I I make. I just think, and it, a lot of people suggest things to me. I started making a cheese bread, uh, what I call a golden cheddar bread. And I use old cheddar in it. And I had a customer say to me, you think you could put jalapeno in it? Oh, yeah. I said, what? Jalapeno? Yeah, just chop it up, put it in. I said, how much? Lots. So I made it for her. And I put in what I thought was lots, about half a cup of chopped mm. jalapeno. Yeah. And it, you know, looked great. I did, never tasted it because it didn't appeal to me at all. I took it to her. She said, she got back to me and she said, Jim, it's very good, but you didn't put enough jalapeno in. Mm. I said, well, how much should I put in? She says, whatever you put in, double it. So fine, I'll do that. So people do make suggestions and I now put jalapeno in buns and a very big seller, jalapeno cheese buns. And so, and I make these twists. Um, uh, They're made with sour cream in the dough and I make these twists in several different varieties. But anyway, I had extra twists over and above the order. So I thought I'm going to taste one of these suckers. And I taste cause I didn't, I'd never tasted anything that I make with jalapeno in. Mm-hmm. I tasted it and by God, it was pretty good. Mm. I couldn't believe it. It wasn't hot. It's right. just the jalapeno gave it a different flavor right. and it was pretty good. So I'm all, I'm always adding stuff. I now do a few cakes too. Yeah, I saw that on your website. They look kind of yummy. So I need a week's notice to do a fresh cake because sometimes I don't have the ingredients and I have to, they don't have it here. I have to run to the city to get it. So. Do you find this really relaxing baking? Uh, well, I start anywhere between six and seven in the morning. Mm-hmm. After I do a morning greeting on my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Some people find it ridiculous and boring, <laughs> but I said to hell with them. I'll do it anyway. Right. Because I stopped doing it for a while, and people wanted to know if I passed away or, you know, what's wrong? Are you sick? You know. So anyway, and I have, I I rant a lot, and uh, 
I have because I have a lot of opinions. I just express them. I figure at my age, I can say whatever the hell I want. Sure. I don't care what anybody thinks. So um, I do my morning greeting and I wish everybody a happy anniversary or a happy birthday Mm -hmm. that I know about. Mm -hmm. Some some I miss. I have to add them in later. But Mm -hmm. and then I, I go to work and it might be six. It might be seven. And I work till I'm done. I only take so many orders that I can do. And I bake minimum of three days a week, sometimes four days a week if it gets heavy. And uh, I bake the order. And if it's for local people, and I don't have that many, uh, I have a handful of local customers, uh, they usually come and pick it up or I'll take it to them. And uh, and then I the next day I head off to Regina. If I'm baking for Weyburn, it's same-day delivery. I'm baking for Moose Jaw at same day delivery. And if it's Estevan at same day delivery, I bake and then I load everything up, package it, load everything up and I hit the road and I drive to that and they meet me. That's very old school. That's fabulous. Well, I'll tell you a story. One of my bosses at Byright Drugs was a gentleman by the name of uh, Sherman Brooks. Everybody called him Sherry. And when he started, he was a pharmacist. When he started in business many, many years ago, he opened a little drugstore in the back of the Met Theater building called Met Pharmacy. And it was a hole-in-the-wall place on an alley. And his claim to fame was you could call him 24-7 and he would make sure he got the doctor to sign the prescription because he knew all the doctors and he would deliver it regardless of the time, day, or night. And he did not charge for delivery. And I've never forgotten that. Mm. And so when I started doing this, I thought, how am I going to get more business? You know, how am I going to be able to get, and I was only thinking about Regina, really, because that's where the market is. And so I thought, you know what? I don't need to do this, but I it's a passion. So... I'm going to offer delivery, free delivery, right to your door mm-hmm. or to wherever you work. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And time and time again, people tell me in the city, tell me, I can't believe you deliver. Yeah. Nobody delivers. Yeah, that's true. Wow. Do you have fond memories growing up of baking in your home? Uh, not particularly. The uh, Darn, I wanted another dramatic story. Well, the story <laughs> is how I started to get onto cooking is my mom had to have surgery. And my dad was a farmer and he didn't have a clue. He couldn't, he couldn't make toast. So my mom had to have surgery and she sat me down. She says, Jim, you're going to have to make your father meals. And it was probably during seeding or harvest or whatever, at least spring to fall. He was pretty busy. You're going to have to make your father his meals. Other than breakfast, he can get a bowl of cereal. But uh, so I said, really? And he, she says, I'll, I'll show you what to do. And it was nothing fancy. It was just basic meat, potatoes, and vegetable kind of meal. And uh, I think she taught me how to make pudding or something. So she taught me, and I, I did it, and I didn't mind doing it. I really didn't. And so the odd time uh, growing, uh, growing up, I, my first job in, in university was actually flipping hamburgers in an A&W, and I really didn't mind that either. Not that it's all that creative. It isn't. Mm-hmm. You, just, you sweat and flip hamburgers, right. but um, I didn't mind it. So then when we were married, I once in a while I'd I'd help out in the kitchen, not but I, I kinda liked it. You know, it was fun. And then this when this whole bread thing started, I found out, you know what, I really enjoy doing this. So I 
I bake a minimum of three days a week, usually. Apart from bread, what food can't you live? What what is your what's your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure, apart from bread, mm-hmm. probably a nice a nice Sunday meal, a basic meal of a roast or a roast chicken, maybe with a little basil rubbed mm-hmm. into it. Um, I just like a nice meal. Have you, ever had a good, have you ever had a good beef Wellington? No, I never, I never have, and I'm intrigued. You may soon. I'm intrigued. I'll have to start researching that. <laughs> um, what food do you dislike intensely? I don't dislike anything. No, eh? Really? No, I'll eat anything. So, I, I mean, I, I'm not into bugs or frogs. Legs okay, or right. Okay. I mean, I try. I don't think going. I try bugs. You know. Okay, so if you're stranded on the again, the plane lands gently on the island in a crash position, but smooth. Um, you've got three foods with you. What are they? An endless supply of my own pumpernickel. <laughs> Great, but who's going to bake that? You'll need the. You'll need. Well, I guess so. It's already been pre-baked. Well, I'll I'll make sure there's a deep freeze on the island. Okay, <laughs> I'll freeze it, fill it up with pumpernickel. Well, let's just say you crash landed gently in Alaska. <laughs> Uh, three foods, uh, coffee, uh-huh. uh, dark roast coffee, mm-hmm. and probably, uh, like Deanna, I love cheese. Okay. Cheese, pumpernickel, and coffee. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's doable. I'll buy that. What a very cool career you've had. That's, it's, it's, it's so wonderful to know that careers and passions go on beyond your chosen profession. Um, again, another example of somebody that just went, why the heck not? Why not, right? Okay, I promised you I was going to throw this all at Jim. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, it's nice to hear about your buns. <laughs> <laughs> you just know. You just know the the jokes around that whole thing, right? All the time. All the time. And I'm quite certain that was purposeful when you said it. Somewhat. Good marketing. I have on my website, if you like my bread, you'll love my buns. (laughs) I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. I'll I'll leave your wife to make that decision. Um, All right, you guys. um, This is for all of you. So the top 10 survivor foods have been officially chosen. So you've got 10 foods that if you have to be stranded somewhere, these are musts. Anyone want to throw out ideas of what could be in that 10? What's that? Rice. Rice is not there. No, peanut butter is not there. Um, I wish that it were, but it isn't. These are things, these are survivor foods. Oh, uh, they, oh sorry, here, according to a dietitian. Think oh, that oh, that's no fun. That's no fun, he said. Some kind of nuts. That's yes, no nuts, nuts are number two. Yes, uh, well, blueberries. Blueberries. Yes, canned beans, yes. Uh, milk, milk is no dairy on there. No. Want to hit some more produce? Um, no, but that would have been a good choice. But no, I guess. I'm going to say some kind of wheat or grain. Um, no, there are no grains. Think vegetables. Kale. Yeah, right. That's that's the vegetable du jour. No, not kale. 
Carrots? Carrots, yes. Apples? No. Bananas? No. What's left? Broccoli. Broccoli, yes. No, thank God for Deanna, there's no coconut. (laughs) Yes, so we've got canned beans, nuts, blueberry, broccoli, carrots, oranges, yes. Tomatoes, yes. Something to drink? Well, water, that's kind of a given. Um, Thank you. I want to say thank you so much. I have to go to rehearsal, so uh, thank you so much for coming. Is this the theater group? Yeah. I missed out on hearing about that, too. I'm coming back I'm coming back to Milestone to do a haunting in your theater group. Excellent. You let me know. I will. Okay. You'll see Jim and Deanna's names come up again. Thank you. Thank you, librarian. Thank you. Um, all right. So we've got canned, canned beans, nuts, blueberries, broccoli, carrots, tomatoes, oranges. Think beverages. Tea, yes. No coffee, tea, and two more things. One's a beverage and one's a food, and it's not... Well, I'm sorry, I lied. There is a grain. You have it in the morning. Well, cereal. And one more beverage, because it could be a real drag, and sometimes you just got to loosen up and have a party. You would have wine. Yes. White or red. Dietitian red. You're right. That's it. That's the list. So now you know, should you ever get stranded, those are the things you better go shopping for just prior to getting stranded. Well, clearly I haven't tapped into all of the stories in Milestone, but I've tapped into two fabulous ones. And I have to say, you are, again, the official first crowd that has been attending as an audience for a live podcast, and you've hit it out of the ballpark. You're extremely wonderful to show up. I'm so happy. I was terrified nobody would. (laughs) And we've packed the place. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank Thank you. To quote Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. (laughs) Thanks for listening. The Sascapes podcast is created and hosted by Kevin Power for Sass Culture. Funding to the cultural sector is provided through the Saskatchewan Lotteries Trust Fund for Sport, Culture, and Recreation. For more information, visit iheartculture.ca and sasculture.ca. Music for Sascapes is provided by Saskatchewan-born singer-songwriter Jeffrey Straker. There's no end to the stories to be told. So, until next time... <laughs>